of some kind to pick up for the last 14 years and I love it. It's made me so happy and free. I'm free and I have this peace of mind and heart that I never imagined was possible. And I know a lot of you aren't happy with your lives. You're living in the rat race, you go to a nine to five job, you're a wage slave, you're making somebody else rich and you're barely surviving. And the monotony and the drudgery of doing that for another 20, 30, 40 more years, you've got to do this, and you just, the thought is unbearable, and I understand that. So in these videos, I'm going to show you how. I'm gonna give you specific steps and, and how-tos, and hows and whys to do this. And we'll show you how to embrace a life of minimalism, and how that'll make you happier. Simplicity, and follow your dreams and of adventure. This meeting is being recorded. Hi. Five. <laughs> this meeting is being recorded. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello and welcome to episode 103 of the Agency Podcast. Eugene here in Toronto. And Candy here in Chicago. And you know, I'll probably just use that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. It's all good. How's it going? It's going very well. Good. Things are going good around here too. Um, you know, I had a very busy work weekend. Uh, I feel like a truck hit me. Uh, people are going out to eat steaks exhausted from hard rock. Everybody's very busy doing graduations, baptisms, weddings, and they're going around the town and they're going yes. crazy. Well, here, although not everything is opened up yet, you can feel a, a palpable sense of relief Really? Um, yeah. Cool. When, when you're out and about talking to people and, you know, people are starting to get together. Yeah. People have been vaccinated, starting vaccinated. to get together. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, we're getting some businesses open and there'll be more businesses open in the coming couple of weeks, I think. I think so too. I'm and looking forward to um, going to uh, Night Owl to see my barber, Steph, and, and <laughs> get a super fantastic haircut. Right. Well, you know, um, there's that meme out there that's like, Canada can, on Monday, Canada can buy socks. Vegas opens fully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about it. Um, I would say, you know, although I've gotten pretty good at doing self haircuts, um, mm -hmm. getting, my, getting my regular haircut is one thing I've really missed. And it's, it really... Although she does a fantastic job cutting my hair, it yeah. really isn't about that. It's just about just taking a few minutes for yourself. You're telling a woman that? <laughs> well, it's something that You're I really right. haven't, but haven't done much for no, my first 60 years. I know. We don't encourage uh, a, a lot of guys in the older generations to take that care and go get... When I first got to Chicago, there was a, a spa called American Male or American man, I was like, Stag, you gotta go. I mean, Stag really does take care of himself and that, but he won't go for another pedicure. New York City, one time, we were there and I said, I've gotta get a pedicure, you get one too. He didn't wanna get one, and afterwards he was like, okay, I get it now, I see why you do that. In, in <laughs> but he Vietnam, won't go again. 
in Vietnam, there's places you can go to where you take your shoes and socks off and Don't you put them in a, in a barrel of water that no, have fish and the fish that. nibble away no. at the edges of your feet. And then it, that's like therapy or whatever. I've seen that. And I'm sure it's fantastic. It, it kind of makes sense. It's no one's, you're not getting anyone to touch your feet except a fish who's happy to do it. So yeah. And I just heard about that. I didn't yep. uh, indulge didn't in that or, or actually see a place that. that yeah. Didn't. I just don't feel like fish touching my feet. It's kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> For me it is. Although I love animals and I've had fish and I've sometimes had to pick them up or move them about in an aquarium or something. So I don't know why I'm being squeamish about that. I think it's a part about them eating part of your skin. It just doesn't yeah. seem right. <laughs> but then if you think about it, how nice is it that you make someone touch your feet? I mean, you know. But I do understand why people go to to spas and, yes. and, yes. and do invest some, some time and effort into some self-care. Oh. And when I, when I first started going to get my haircuts over at Night Owl, and I started getting the full meal deal, which is the haircut, and the beard trim and the mm -hmm. shaving, all the all the bits, right? Mm -hmm. um, it it comes with uh, a hot towel. You get oh, that a, feels good. You get a hot towel on on your face. Yeah, and, I love it. And then sort of a little bit of a kind of a of a face massage with the hot towel, and then right. comes the cold towel. Oh, after no. the hot towel, you gotta do and, it though. And she will announce it, cold towel. Yep. So you know it's coming. <laughs> um, and uh, and then the next thing is uh, she'll spray something at it. And she's just shaved the area so it's sensitive. Yeah. And she calls that hot sauce. Because <laughs> uh, it, it then makes it tingle. But by the time um, my hour in there is through and, and I, I leave and head on home, I just feel like a million bucks. And right. so um, I... I tell people I do that because it's good to feel, to treat yourself well and feel like a million bucks if you can. Um, it's more about that than the haircut. Oh, definitely. Um, I love a pedicure. When I get my eyebrows waxed, it feels great. They put the warm wax on there, but then they pull it off and it hurts like frick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, but there's right now this place nail party over on, on Morgan. Um, they've upped their game. They give you a pedicure and then they've got these hot stones they put under your feet. And boy, does that feel good. It feels amazing. All the years of stilettos, uh, my poor feet really appreciate that. I bet. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. And then I'll do a little foot massage. Just to, It's not really a foot massage. It's more like relaxing, but it, it's great. And then one fellow that always does, he always says, you've got to get your pedicure more regularly. It's healthy. It's healthy. So I don't know if there's any science behind that of whether it's proven to be more healthy. But it feels healthy. It feels good. Speaking of feeling good, I made blueberry crumble last night. Mm. I love all is, the whole crumble family. I adore. Yeah, yeah me too. It, it was horrible. So I sent Stag to the store to get some ice cream and that sort of helped. And we suffered through a huge portion of it last night. Yeah. <laughs> and, and in you, fact, we ate it before supper. And you, you know, um, whenever we have house guests at our place... <laughs> They're allowed we like to, to enjoy the crumble family. Well, I'll make you lots of crumble when I'm there. It's, <laughs> it's so easy, right? Um, yeah, it was so fantastic. A steak family, two huge bins of organic blueberries. I didn't even put sugar or flour on them. I just put them in the pan. I think, you know, most people put a little lemon, a little flour. 
I just wanted the plain blueberry taste. Mm -hmm. My sister and I used to pick blueberries at our uh, summer camp when we were kids. You know, the one I told you about in near Kenora at Lake Malachi. And last night, it just brought all those memories of my nan always making pie or crumble, mostly crumble out of it, out of the blueberries we would pick. So here's my question yeah. to you. What is the difference between a crumble and a crisp? I think a crumble is more like cookie, but I have no idea if that's true or false. Yeah, I, I don't know. Don't I'm know always why. curious about those sorts of things. And then I heard there was something um, called an, an apple brown Betty. That's and it correct. Sounds, it sounds like it's like a racist thing to me, but oh. maybe it just refers to the, the color of the pastry or something. Is that like a crisp know. or is it different? I have I no idea. I don't know the history of that name. And I guess, gee, I guess we could look. I could yeah, try so to find out. We is could probably look at and, and report Betty back. Racist? Yeah. Oh, you just ask Google that? Google will I'm just know. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it sounds like I, it's like the Aunt Jemima pancakes, right? Or, I don't know. You know, yeah, I, and I don't have any idea what the difference is. If crisp is the same as crumble. Now, crumble, I don't overcook it. I want it to taste just this side of... And, and the story behind the classic dessert is somewhat nebulous. The Oxford Companion to Food deduced that there was, in fact, a real Betty of African-American descent for which the dish is named. It is believed that Brown wasn't referring to the dish, but to the cook herself. That does sound horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, it just occurred to me as I was saying it. You know, I bet you that that has, like, a racist origin. You know, it's something I never thought of it before. It's just sort of like a name for a... Right. There seems to be a number of posts about it, so that's that's that. So we found that out. So, um, but you know, I didn't I think, do I long research. The, I just quickly googled. So, with, with a number of of pastry related things, there's often multiple names, and it's hard to discern the difference. I've I've long wanted to know the difference between, for instance, a calzone, a panzerato, and a stromboli. And I thought they were all the same. And maybe they are, or and maybe there's. Maybe there's subtle differences and maybe there's regional differences. And I mean, this, you know, this conversation is going to go back to the Euros Euro. versus Donaire and, and we've already been right. there. Yes. And it's Euros. I talked to somebody Greek about a week ago and they said, forget it. It's Euros. So <laughs> <laughs> I believe them. <laughs> but the Donaire is the street food of Halifax. That's right. I wonder where that came from. How come we haven't found that out? It's like know. donut, but donair. It's better than a donut. It's and then there's the donor kebab, D-O-N-E-R, with the O has like a funny accent on oh, it. Oh, well, kebab. there. That's where it and must is, have come is from. That, is the donor kebab different than a donair? I, I think really they must know. be related to. And I don't know what, you know, you've had a year and a half to look this up. I know, and I didn't do it. And, <laughs> you, you know, I've seen in um, different cities in Vietnam, I've seen donor kebabs. A donor kebab kiosk. And, you know, I thought, boy, I would kind of like to have a donor kebab. But then you think, here I am. I've traveled halfway across the world to get the food from this place. And I'm eating like a donair. No. So when you go so to Greece, you'll have a donair. Yes. Yeah. Or Halifax. Or Halifax. <laughs> yes. And if I go to Chicago, I'll have a Euros. Yeah. Um, have you been watching anything? Um. Uh, you know, yes, we I'm have. Looking my but, notes. I'm looking at my notes. But oh, before what? we go there, oh, I, we, we do have some mail, and I wanted to take care of our mail. Okay. 
Um, we have uh, we have an email from our friend Megan. Oh, and um, calling me out on something, and I, I wanted to read her email. And my oh, you response, wanted mail? You wanted mail? Well, no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's great. Uh, and uh, I'll add some additional comments to it as well okay. beyond my the response that I sent her. Okay. Uh, hello, Candy and Eugene. As you know, I've been listening to your podcast since your first show and have many happy memories of pottering around the kitchen listening to your conversations. Until now, I've never been moved to email because I strongly dislike computers and typing. <laughs> well, listening to the episode, 50 Years of Adventures, Eugene finally said something uh, that has forced me to the dreaded <laughs> keyboard. Um, knowing that you welcome and encourage complaints, I feel emboldened to ask a pointed question. Fair enough. Candy made the comment during this episode that capitalism and patriarchy destroy relationships, and Eugene added the caveat in this instance, or something along those lines. Um, and although I don't remember the context of the discussion, I remember adding the caveat. Absolutely, I did I that. remember you adding it, too. And um, I... <laughs> I, I think you were discussing a film at the time. I have yes. to know, Eugene, why the caveat? In what ways do you think that capitalism and patriarchy are supportive of relationships? Um, I should clarify what I believe is implied by Candy's comment that we are talking about healthy collaborative relationships, not oppressive or exploitive relationships. I love your podcast and look forward to sharing many more happy hours listening to you both while I potter around. Many thanks for all you do to make this great podcast happen. Megan. So I sent a response to Megan and uh -huh. I'll read you the response and then I just add a few other comments. Okay. Um, my response was, it really addressed her question directly. Uh, I think capitalism and patriarchy are by their natures oppressive. I'm really not sure what was gnawing on my little brain during that conversation <laughs> when I felt the need to hedge in that discussion. I could think of no examples of either capitalism or patriarchy being supportive of healthy collaborative relationships. Looking back, I'd say I was wrong to add the, the caveat. Thanks for pointing it out. And thank you for being an active and caring listener and longtime supporter of the agency. Please email us anytime. Um, and I think her email also sparked because uh -huh. it was very, it was very direct and pointed. Uh -huh. um, it sparked a little self-examination. Oh, so I thought, well, why would I, why, why would I have added that, that caveat? <laughs> and, and I think, you know, okay. I think I have an, an overall, when, when I hear any kind of broad generalization yes, yes. thrown into the context of a conversation, yes. my first thought is usually, wow, that's a really loaded statement. Is that so? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and normally, well, we might talk about that. Yes. We might talk about that outside of the podcast, right? Yes. Um, but in, in the podcast, um, I think I was probably thinking, is that so? What, let, let me think about this. What are examples? And I thought, I'm juggling the conversation. I've got a lot of different info I've got on my mind. Um, it's difficult to make an on-the-fly assessment. True. And so, and so I True. stuck in the caveat. I yes. think Ma Megan called me out on it. I think she was right, too. Good, good point. Fair enough. Um, well, okay. Um, I have some thoughts when you're ready. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I hear you. And I think that is good to think about, you know, in, in most of, you know, I take all these spiritual workshops. 
I just took one in about two months ago. It was really intense. And when it starts out, it almost always says, none of this is real. We've made it up. It's already happened. And every problem you have, look at yourself before you look at the world. So I always think that's good advice. I think you did some self-examination is really important. And we all have triggers. Uh, something in the way my brain works, and you've known me a long time, and you're not the only person to put a caveat at the end of something I say, because I generally look at things through anthropology. And it doesn't look at the specialized stuff. It looks at the context of pop culture, signage, symbolism, motifs, and whatnot. It, I'm not coming from it. So I tend to make broad sweeping statements. Mm -hmm. um, I, it's, it is, it's where I come from because I'm coming yes. from standing back from... And, and many times, for instance, when you talk about totalitarian agriculture, uh -huh. um, we could have nine podcasts on that discussion. And I don't really want to have nine podcasts on that discussion. So usually I'll just duck that one. Right. And, and that's okay. Um, we could have nine podcasts on it, but um, I think the statement itself tells you exactly what it is. We don't have to discuss it. It says it. Totalitarian agriculture. That's the dominant force of this culture. Now, you don't have to agree with me. You can go and read about it. I can go read about it. But I think the thing is, and, you know, we had some controversy last week because I really wanted to go for that broad picture. I was looking at the bigger picture or something else, connections between things. And well, What do you um, mean specifically? I'm talking about uh, the, um, Ben Coster, the um, professor from Harvard. So I, you and I kept going back and forth, and that's actually uh, ben, part Ben Zander from the Boston oh, ben Philharmonic. Ben Zander, yeah, I couldn't remember his name. I'm so sorry. Yes. And um, so I think the thing is that if we came at things in the same way, we wouldn't have a conversation. Of I think course. that the issue is just letting each other kind of follow through on them. And, you know, I really love philosophy and kind of going into the thing that goes, isn't the first – you keep that urge to get the caveat. Do it with things that well, are – that, the, that the, urge is good with topics when someone is being inappropriate, when someone is being racist, when someone is being this or that, right? Um, that's a great urge to have in those situations. Maybe. Maybe it is. Yeah, you know, that I means, would never be, for instance, I would never be able to be a politician because I couldn't belong to any political party <laughs> um, because I waver back and forth all the time. Um, I would never be a good activist because I'm always questioning broad generalizations. So are and, activists. And I think a, a lot of activists, you have to have the generalization in order to go forward. <coughs> I mean, it's, you, you have to have the way forward, right? Um, um, I think it's I, a framework rather. It's not really being I, general. Could, sure. It's um, a framework. But, but for me, I could never do that. I would never be very good at it because I would always be um, looking at different, <laughs> different sides and always questioning myself. That's... Well, my, I think activists do that too. I think activists do that too. Uh, I think that, that's, that, that could be. That's, you know, and, and that now, now we're saying all activists are the same. No, they're not. But no, of they, course not. I would say many activists tend to be very self-examining and, and question society and reality. That, I would say that would be the nature of it. And that's why we find we live in an accelerated culture where what we say today is not good tomorrow, but what we say that's bad today might be okay tomorrow. It changes every day. So I think that's why some people are worried about cancel culture because they think, well, this is just changing. We never can keep up. That's right. You can't keep up. So be careful what you say.
And mm -hmm. more than what you say, <coughs> hold on. You okay? Be careful what you think. <coughs> know how you think and feel. Um, it's funny about- Do you need, um, to, do you need to take a second to- clear No, I think throat? I'm okay. Okay. I didn't bring water with me. Okay. And there was no more well, coffee. Well, back to the original email for a yeah. minute. Um, uh, Megan, I hope um, this uh, addresses your question in, in some kind of way that's, uh, uh, that's helpful. Um, and uh, and I, I wanted to qualify too that that was Robin Wood. It's Robin Wood who said that um, the driving forces of North America are patriarchy and capitalism. And patriarchy and capitalism corrupt relationships. And I think he's right. I think he's dead right and he said it perfectly. And um, he, that came out of his film study. He's a definitive scholar of Hitchcock. And he approaches movies looking for those kinds of things. Or he did. Yep. And, um, and looking back in the conversation, uh, I agree with you. Yeah, it's a tough one. It doesn't mean our fathers that there weren't good fathers. It doesn't mean that there aren't good businesses. It is a general statement about those forces. And, and, you know, I think that's why people freak out about patriarchy because they're like, well, my dad was good. Well, patriarchy wasn't good for your father either. It's not good for men or women. It's not good for anybody. Um. So, so maybe <laughs> once, again, once again, it was a great email. Yeah, it was an excellent email and I wanted to, I wanted to address it. Um, I don't want to spend the whole podcast on it, but I did want to address it. And I did want to say that it, it did spark some self-examination uh, about how I think and how um, I interact with you on the podcast. Because I think that's the heart of it is how we, how so. we, we, we talk and, and how so. we allow each other to talk and how we disagree with one another. Because yeah. we're going to do that along the way too. And of course, we do it all on the fly. Uh, yeah, which was the other point that I, that I wanted to make is that um, I think... I wasn't ready to, to, to jump into your generalization without giving it some thought. And I, there was no opportunity to do that. And I think that that was at the heart of my jumping in. But yeah, nonetheless, I, I, in, with, with the, the fullness of some uh, further thought, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, and what I'm taking from it is that it's always good for both of us to maybe just, just give that extra breath to give the person the space to talk. We don't have to rush through our podcast. We don't. Lots of times we have lots of times where we're sitting there thinking. And you I, mean, think I, shouldn't, I shouldn't interrupt you and cut you off? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> that, that. That makes for very hard to keep a train of thought. I think that I think what we want to do is allow each other, again, going back to philosophy, contemplative life sometimes needs that stream of consciousness. Sometimes you might need to say something. And you don't, I don't know what I think until I say it. Have you ever heard of that? How do I know what I'm thinking until I say it? And I think hmm. that's part of it is let us, we, the show is about us rambling through different things. We didn't, we didn't plan to talk about philosophy and art many episodes ago and we went with it. And who uh, knows, maybe people like it. Well, that's true. Didn't. It's like uh, the, our, our podcast is like a two person essay. Um, essay uh, that's fair too. Essay coming from SAA to try. Um, and we try out ideas and we argue about ideas and we do it in the context of, um, both specific and broad cultural milieu. I mean, that's there you the, go. the heart of what we do. There you go. Maybe we need a new introduction for the, uh, the podcast. <laughs> did you write that down? Uh, I did not write that down. I'll, I'll try later. Um, okay. I watched something that really talks to all of this. Okay. What did you watch? Nomadland. 
Oh, isn't that interesting? Because right in front of me, if you could see, you would see it. I have the book, Nomad Land by Jessica Bruder. I'm going to read the book before seeing the show. Well, I'm going to go read the book now. I, I, I don't know if I would have read it or not, but I'm going to order that book up and I'm going to read it. I'm so excited. I, I feel like they're going to be two different animals uh, because this is a fictionalized version of that book. So ah, I see, of course. Sort of like Manhunter the book and Manhunter the show. Maybe. They're the same but different. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, because when you, um, it's really, speaking of totalitarian agriculture, <laughs> uh, you may not want to well, read that we? book. You may not want to read that book. Well, of course so I want to read that it's book. Now, now, I, now I even want to read the book more. Yeah, of course. Um, but you know, I'm going to say this. Um, I'm also making an effort to um, read books that you might not um, think I'd be apt to read. I love it. Um, I, I'm trying to, I'm always trying, I always say always be learning. And so I'm always trying to broaden the way I look at things. And, you know, I was looking around for a book to read and I just started one. And uh, actually I, I ordered it up because that's what we do. We use the ordering machine these days. Um, and, right. and I was just looking around at, at books that, that people thought were, were good. And I, I saw one called, how the One-Armed Sister Sweeps Her House by Sherry Jones. It's her no, debut novel. Um, it's by um, a woman, I think she's probably in her uh, late 30s, early 40s, uh, she's from, from Barbados, black woman. Um, and it's set in, in, I guess, the Barbados that she knows. And it's all about... Um, it's kind of all about class in a way in that mm -hmm. it's uh, it pits uh, a character who is living on nothing, whose husband is robbing uh, the rich villas uh, from the, that are owned by the expats and the vacationers. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a murder. Mm. Um, he kills cool. somebody. Um, oh. Yeah. And it turns out it's a really interesting book. I just got into it, uh, but it's very exceptionally beautifully written. Uh, I normally I wouldn't look for a book set in the Caribbean. It's not a place I know anything about right, or have right. any relationship to. Sounds but like fun. and then I thought, oh, well, maybe that's why I should read it because <laughs> I don't know anything about it and have no relationship to it. Maybe I really, I really need to read that. So uh, that that's why I'm trying to rather than always read things that that further the same ideas you had yesterday, why not try to read things that are, are gonna present the world in a different way? Right, right. Because, I mean, one of the things that reading does for us is it opens up new worlds. I mean, we've That's all true. known that since Gumby, right? That's right. That's right. Well, it's funny because last week I, I was in Kenosha staying and I went out to Kenosha to do an art delivery service and I posted some photos on our on, on our social media of that some of that visit and we went to see trisha who's hi trisha she listens to the uh podcast and she's like hi trisha you haven't seen nomadland what's wrong with you so i was like okay i will make it i'll go watch it as soon as i can um she's like it's you it's got everything in it you have to see it so um wow it's going to be one of my top favorite movies period um from the last forever it'll go up there with all the movies so it, i love like it's a movie not a series it's a movie Okay, and um, we'll watch it for sure. I think I'm going to read the book first. Yeah, basically, it's Francis McDormand. Um, it starts out with this town called Empire. So, in case you don't get it, there's really a town in Nevada called Empire. Of course, and it, is. it was in the gypsum business, which is what we call in Canada drywall. 
I don't know. They're plaster. Yeah, plaster, right? So it's for building houses. So in 2011. Or plaster of Paris, and we have a town called Paris. Oh, there you go. So in 2011, um, this town got unincorporated because it made drywall and that business went out of business. Now think about it. Why would that have gone out of business? Because the housing market had crashed. Right. Previously to that. So this woman. Well, if they um, started up, they'd be doing good right now. I guess that's true. It's, I think some people still live there, but I'm not sure. So this woman decides to um, hit the road. She, there's no town. There's no jobs. There's nothing to do. So she kind of gets in her car. She gets a storage space and she starts driving. And she runs into other people that are doing the same thing. And um, it's unbelievably compelling. They basically have Francis McDormand, incredible actor, placed into the, to the storyline, this narrative, of people who really are doing that. Um, there was a guy called, oh my God, his name's Bob. And he has made all these YouTube videos where he's telling people how they can live on the highway how they can live outside. And basically they travel to different towns and take seasonal work in different parts of the United States. So Amazon, one place, uh, maybe uh, collecting um, turquoise somewhere else for the tourists, maybe working um, at a beehive, a bee honey factory somewhere else, all the different places. And they camp out together and um, this fellow and other campers start to teach her how to do this lifestyle. And, you know, one of the reasons it really interested me is because there's hundreds of different ways to make a living and there's hundreds of different economies outside the dominant economy. So immediately I was fascinated by it. And yes, it is a fallout from the dominant economy of the planet, but it's a very interesting fallout, a very interesting different perspective. There's a lot of loss and grief, which was very interesting to me coming out of this pandemic where there's been a lot of loss and grief um, for people losing their, their favorite pastimes, their favorite hobbies, seeing their family. So this, um, this was a very interesting metaphor in the movie. Um, the town empire, of course, so the empire's gone. It's definitely an end of empire storyline. And there's something really interesting about putting a an Oscar-winning actor, one of my favorite actors, um, next to real-life people telling their stories. And it, it really tugs at the feeling of acting versus testifying. It's really interesting. Because in a lot of ways, acting is testifying for that character. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some really good lines in it. So these people who have left their homes and they're living out um, in various incredible American landscapes. Oh my God, the cinematography is amazing. It's directed by Chloe Zhao and she won Best Director at the Oscars. She won as many, some of the most awards this year. Um, the previous person, oh, I forgot who it was right now, who it had, it, she beat out them. She kind of tied with them for all the awards in one season. Um, also another alternative director, I'll have to look it up again. But they had some great lines where they're talking around a fire pit saying, I don't want my sailboat to be in the driveway when I die. Hmm. I just thought that was really amazing. Um, when you get old, you get personality. That was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. And at one point, uh, she, there's a lot of tourists. There's a lot of people who know things. They run into a lot of people who have like this knowledge of the stars, of the landscape, of geography, geology, um, which is pretty a great touch. And because they're out there all the time. 
one of the motifs that comes up in this movie, and you know, this is where it probably is going to be different. It's really a movie. Um, uh, will be different from the book is um, rocks and stones play a huge part in this. In fact, she goes out for a walk while they're, they're, one of her friends is doing a tour and she decides to run into this um, Badlands rock area. Well, everything looks the same. You might as well run into the Ontario forest or BC forest. Um, and she, for one second, she realizes, oh my God, I'm lost. Her, her friend calls her back. What'd you see? I saw a lot of rocks. Um, one of her jobs is packing stones. And there's a lot of people picking up rocks and talking about them. Some people make jewelry. Some people collect jewelry. Some people, um, they put stones all around their, their caravan. And I couldn't help but think, it's going to be very strange for me. I can't help but think if Daniel Quinn didn't play a little role in that. Daniel Quinn's the fellow who wrote the book, I think is one of the greatest books in the last 50 years, Ishmael. <clears throat> and about a gorilla that communicates telepathically. And um, at one point when the, I had read his book before the internet really had uh, formulated, and I thought, oh my God, when I, when I was on my computer, I thought, I wonder if Daniel Quinn has a website. I can't wait to see what he says on his website. So I find him, I go to his website, and it comes up this pyramid, and it says, tired of moving stones? And then it all crumbles away, and it says, tired of moving stones? Walk away. And I can't help but feel those stones just reminded me. And that he doesn't have a website. That was it, dude. That's all he did. <laughs> he was like, I've said it in my novels. I'm not saying anything else on the internet. It's pretty I, you know, cool. I, I think uh, the internet and YouTube specifically has offered um, employment opportunity in a way for people who want to live that kind of uh, alternate lifestyle. Uh, and I can think of, well, I can think of uh, a three YouTubers. Um, one is Hobo Shoestring, mm -hmm. um, who highlights the hobo lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And he has subscribers and, uh, and will get paid for ads on his, on his YouTube. And I can think of uh, two different individuals um, who are living in different parts of Vietnam who became YouTubers um, in order to scratch together a living. And curiously enough, they met one another and now like go on vacations and do YouTube videos together sometimes too. Wow. Uh, but um, I, I heard one of them talking, um, saying that when he started, he would make so little from the videos. It was only by some kind of incredible persistence that he kept at it because you don't start to make money off the ads until you right. have a couple hundred thousand subscribers, right? which right. is a lot to get. So um, there has to be something in your alternative lifestyle that sparks the imagination of people who don't live it. Right. Well, and I think I, I want to clarify, I don't think some of the people have chosen that lifestyle. I think sometimes they found the um, passion after they were desperately. Um, sure. Yeah. I, I, I'm absolutely. not sure. Yeah. yeah. Because now twice in my life, I found myself in a similar situation. I wasn't living with a band of, of travelers or, or RV enthusiasts or people in a van. Um, but I've hit the road a couple of times and one, and both times were with loss, extreme loss. Um, one was, I think 97, 98. And I was in my Suzuki, not so swift. Um, and I just hit the, I, I lit out for the territories. Um, I made my way to Vancouver eventually, but I just didn't know what else to do. I had so much 
sense of emotion and grief. I wasn't really sure how to handle it. And driving seemed like a really good way to do it and being by myself and looking at nature. Sure. And then Stag and I, when we had a studio fire, we weren't sure what to do with ourselves. Um, we eventually got a car and, and hit the road for six months, you know, and trip of a lifetime. Um, I don't know if we knew it at the time all the time. Sometimes we knew it and sometimes we didn't. Um, so I think a lot of the people, they lost their homes, they lost their, their spouse, they lost something in their life or their family, yes. and they didn't know what else to do. Well, you know, I admire people who live, whether, whether they, it's a lifestyle they choose or one they're thrown into, um, who live in really alternative ways. I think it's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, but I think that I probably couldn't do it unless I was thrown into it. If I was thrown into it, I'm very adaptable and, <laughs> um, and I would find a creative way to live that life. But um, I, have, I have a real strong uh, attachment to a sense of home. Yes. Right? And, and so I, even I, when I travel, after two weeks, I, I'm like, oh, it's time to get home. I got to yes. get home. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that traditional classic idea of North American home for part of the culture is really important. I think all of them felt like they were home. So you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's yeah, the yeah, framework. Yeah. No, I, I understand yeah, that. Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. For sure, for but us, nonetheless, I, I couldn't make that leap sure. unless pushed. Sure. If I was pushed off the cliff, I would try not to hit the ground too hard. Totally. But, um, but I wouldn't jump off the cliff. Right, 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 right. For me, home would be, I would define home as the rainforest in BC or Tofino or um, woods or beach and ocean. That's when I really feel like I'm at home. But at, that isn't everybody. You know, um, that's like some people love Europe. They look at the old buildings. Yeah. For me, I like old trees. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I crave the the, uh, the the forest too, and yeah. and the rivers and the lakes. But um, I, I I don't really want to live in those places. I also crave uh, the kind of social milieu we live in. Yeah, it's also against the law to live like that. It's against the law. So, I mean, we live in a society that has programmed us to live in cities and go to jobs in small towns and fit in. And that's what we do. And we also, but our intuition is to love that nature, to find alternative things within that. The reason we have homeschooling before the pandemic, the reason we have um, new age movements and, and home medicine is because that urge to go and fishing and hobbies is because the urge is to live outside of this um, structure. We still act out those urges. They're much stronger than, than, this, than the programming we've all been put into. Um, for millions of years, we did not live like this. Millions and millions of years, we lived outside. And, and, and now we live in our cities. And that's, it's not good or bad. It's just the way that human beings yes. have chosen to live. It's, it's not a win-lose thing. It's really mm -hmm. personal. And it's also not a choice. We live here because we don't have a choice. We are forced to live this way. It's against the law to go get the free food that's out there and the free fish that is out there. We have to get a license. You have to take a holiday. You've got to have a job to pay for your home, blah, 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 blah. But what's really funny is that sometimes they do have um, Bob speaking and he talks about the dollar and the value on the dollar. A very fascinating movie. I feel like a fool that I haven't seen it till now. Um, boy, is that my people. That is that movie. She's a genius. It's incredible. And I immediately was like, oh my God, it's based on a book. I have to get this book. 
So I'll be reading it with you, Eugene. Okay, I'm going to read All the right. book once I finish Great. the other one that I've that I've started. Great. This one is up uh, next. Actually, I was thinking I, I might take it to Quetico with me, but Ooh. I may have to read it before that. I think you do. I think um, you do. If it's a if it's as as important as this movie which I'm assuming it is that she made the movie because of that. I say read it now. Hey, you know, speaking of parks and outdoors, they're free in Canada right now, aren't they? What I do think you mean? it's free to go to the parks right now. You mean um, camping? I think so. I don't think so. Oh, you don't? And I thought maybe some of the national parks, there's no charge to go through them. like um, we, we had to book um, a register to get into Quetico uh, because in, in Quetico, there's... I think there's six six entrances on the Canadian side and they only allow a maximum of six parties to go in each right. day at each entrance. Right. And usually it's a lot less than that, especially during the pandemic because it's mostly Americans who come up and go oh, into there. Sure, sure. Um, Okay, I don't know uh, but, I but we had the maybe... book and we, we certainly had to, to pay for yes. our six days in the bush. Oh, uh, the, okay. the curious thing is, if, if we're in there and we're delayed because we're windbound for yeah. a couple of days or there's storms or there's a yes. forest fire yes. or whatever, yes. uh, I, how do they collect the additional day's funds for, I guess they don't. I don't Tell know. them how long you're planning on being in there. And I that's don't want what, you to get lost in there and be oh. stuck. Well, you know, we uh, Mike, uh, or excuse me, East Texas Red has a uh, <laughs> uh, East, East Texas Red has a satellite device uh, that uh, allows us to text out and and oh, has good. and it has like an emergency signal. If so, okay. if you're if you're in desperate straits there, you hit the emergency button and it goes to a monitoring service who calls in the cavalry who come in and uh, rescue you. Right, right. So I think that was a good investment to, to get to add a little bit of peace of mind. And as well, uh, if we're delayed, I can, I can text uh, Sheila and let her know, hey, I'm going to be late a day or two. Yeah, good idea. Good idea. And also, help, come and find us. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're going to be great. You're going to be fine. Oh, yeah, I think that is going to be yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, so uh, we've been watching a couple of things as well. And, and uh, I'll first talk briefly about something that Sheila's been watching. Um, she watches it when she gets home from work. And after a really uh, long and difficult day at work, uh, this really helps clear her mind. And it's a show called Flipping Out. Oh, yeah, I've watched it. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jeff Lewis. <laughs> That's the guy, Jeff Lewis. Yeah, who's Jenny. really just, what a nasty man. But yeah. really, he's such a nasty man. Yeah. He fires everybody. He dislikes everybody. It's always everybody else's fault. <laughs> and it's all about it's all about the greed for flipping as many properties as, as possible. I find yeah. the whole thing really distasteful, but at the same time, strangely compelling. <laughs> yes. I've watched so. it all up until about two years ago. I haven't watched any seasons recently. There's a woman that was uh, worked for him. He basically creates a family and he finds a mother. The housekeeper is sort of his mother figure. Oh yeah, but then she leaves too. Tola? Yeah, yeah, she goes and comes. She goes and comes. But eventually she does leave. She's, she, she retires. Yeah, I think that's what happened. She retired. Yeah. And then there's like um, he had a partner and they had, they had a kid through a yep. surrogate. So yep. there was all of that, Cold. Um, all of that stuff. And of course I, Sheila has reported that they've since broken up and they're having a custody battle. Oh no. I was really worried about that. 
Um, and uh, that's not unexpected watching a few of those shows uh, mm. because he doesn't get along with anybody in the end. I, yeah. Really? He, know, he knows it. He says it. Well, that's the thing is he does seem to know it. It's, yeah. it's really strange and oddly compelling bit of uh, fluff. Right. There is a, it is a lot of fluff. I, you know, it's kind of fun seeing him change out the houses. I don't have, he has some really interesting ideas of how to renovate a house. And I then guess. after a while, it got kind of cookie cutter for me. Um, right. the same look. And I guess that's because trends in, in Los Angeles. Well, and also because, because really it's about maximizing his money. Yeah. And, and so it's always going to be cookie cutter when it comes down to that. Yeah. It's a very safe design. Very, you know, it's tasteful, but it's also conservative. Yeah. So um, I just thought I'd mention that. Oh. I have seen a number of those episodes because I'll go up to see what's going on on TV and Sheila will have been home from work and she'll nice. just be decompressing with yep. a couple of episodes. We get them two episodes in a row here. Okay. Um, so she can really decompress oh, to yeah. a there's couple like, episodes. Of I've watched it. over 10 years of it. So, you know, that's... Oh, I know. It's on for a really there's long a time. There's a really long time. So, like I said, I, I recognize the characters on it. and As, as Sun Ra out. said... There are worlds they have not told you of. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so, but we are watching something a little bit more interesting. And that is, we've gone back to a, a show we're going to watch for, I don't know, it's probably the fourth time or the third oh time. Oh my God. Um, we're, we're watching Homicide, Life on the Streets in its entirety from the beginning. And... I've done it twice. I, I have a number of comments about it. I'd like to talk about it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, um, I, th I think in a lot of ways, it's the grandfather of the television renaissance we're seeing now. Uh, it had, sure, some people say it's uh, Twin Peaks. But definitely Homicide is part of that. Yeah, Twin... What, yeah, what year was Twin Peaks? Uh, 1989? Yeah, so Twin Peaks was before that. Homicide was 93. Yeah, and Twin Peaks the told 90s. us... Told, Twin, Twin Peaks told producers you can put anything on TV. Yes. Um, I think what Homicide Life on the Streets did was it took the ubiquitous police procedural and it turned it on its head. That's fair. Uh, and even though it had crossovers with another tremendously popular show, uh, 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 SVU. Oh, yeah. Munch. Yeah, Munch was the crossover guy. Uh, it was very interesting how in Homicide, they worked on the character um, and he just brought that character to right. the other show because mm -hmm. in SVU, it is, to use your term, cookie cutter, it is, it is right up there with Perry Mason as being one of the most <laughs> formulaic shows on TV. Yeah. Like you can, you can predict exactly what's going to happen after each commercial break. Yes. And it's, you know, and they don't, develop any of the, the characters at all. Like uh, the Mariska Hardigay character didn't develop in how many, like 20 years of that? It's just... Well, what I, what I liked about Law & Order, the classic, the original, is that they didn't focus on the, the cops and they weren't developing them. It was about the murder mystery. And you found out tiny bits about the characters over 19 years. But you never, they weren't, they weren't about them. That's what I liked about it was that there wasn't any ah. character development. Well, what I like about Homicide is yeah. that the, yes, the, the murders are there and you know about it every time you turn it on because you see the, the dreaded board with all right. the, the black and red <laughs> yeah. uh, names and they deal with specific cases. But the, 
the cases and the murders are the place to put the group of people whose characters you're going to develop. And it's really all about character development. Sometimes the murders really take a, well, almost all the time, they take a back seat to, to the development of, of the characters, uh, which are developed in uh, an ensemble cast, uh, which we see later on with Sopranos as well. Right. Um, and you see the way they film it, they, it's really noticeable having not seen it in some time. Um, when, when you see it, you almost always see three or four characters together. Um, mm. Where compared to SVU, mm. they'll, um, okay, they'll focus on Ice-T and they'll give him nine words. Mm -hmm. And then they'll focus on Mariska and they'll give her 11 words. And then they'll focus on someone else. And the, the camera goes from one to the other. This is right. my dialogue. This right. is my dialogue. This is my dialogue. And so they, right. just, they go from one to another and it's like they're not even having a conversation. They're just each propelling the plot through the dialogue by going one to one to one. But in Homicide, you have a group of people interacting. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think there's a precedent for it in, in comedy um, in, the, in the 80s, and that was Barney Miller. Um, which had a group of an ensemble cast that uh, that interacted together like that, but it didn't have the kind of character development. And I think in in Homicide, first of all, it shouldn't have existed, and it almost didn't. It had lousy ratings most of the time, but <laughs> somehow or other, it was it was kept on, and it may be because it had really strong, uh, re really strong um, critical response. Right. Uh, but there's a, a number of really interesting things. One is a, a great set of actors. They also added the character, which is the city of Baltimore, which is really yes. interesting because every episode you see parts of that city and you see they're out eating crabs and you, yeah. see, you see the corners, you see all of that. And obviously that was taken a lot further uh, in The Wire. Yeah, um, which Same David writer. Simon's yeah. Uh, yeah, I think uh, David Simon was the uh, wrote the book that Homicide was was based on. Okay. I don't know how much he had to do with that series. Ah, um, the actors, what an incredible ensemble they had. Let's start with Yafit Koto. He may be one of my favorite actors. He's just, yeah. I just love Yafit Koto. And a little story about him in his later years he left the united states hmm. because he wanted to find a place where he wasn't always recognized right and he moved to richmond hill ontario i think um, we, i think i remember this from an earlier podcast yeah because we we talked about oh, how yeah. we love him yep yep. Yeah, he moved to richmond That's hill cool. and it was he was still getting recognized too much <laughs> so he moved to marmara ontario which wow. is out east of peterborough wow um and lived mm -hmm. out most of his remaining years there um and went back his wife was from the philippines and he went back to the philippines um i guess last spring um, with her, and he and he nice. uh, died in the Philippines Aww. in his eighties. Yeah. So Yafikoto, I love his voice. I love his crazy hair. I yeah. love his evil smile. Yeah. It's really wonderful. Um, Richard Bowser, they took a stand-up comedian and um, they created this crazy character Munch, which has been on several different shows. There you go. Um, Andre Brower, 
I guess, who was the, the really breakout star and all those wonderful um, scenes with, with him as the master of the box. Mm. Um, you know, you go into the box and you start, you're, you're starting to delve into the dark side of all of us, right? Right. Um, fascinating. Um, Clark Johnson as, as Meldrick, um, great character actor, fine director as well. Also the brother of, uh, of uh, Mo Molly and Tabby Johnson, Canadian actor, born in the States. Uh, Kyle Secor as Bayless, Melissa Leo as Kay Howard. She's so good. And when they started it, you know, they had a diverse cast in a way in that they had, uh, they had three African-American actors as really the leading forces of the yes. show. But yes. at first they only had one major female lead and that was Melissa Leo as Kay Howard. But later they brought in Isabella Hoffman as uh, Megan Russert and she was really the foil to Giardello and the, the female point of view. Um, and I thought that was really quite good. Yes. Um, they had Ned Beattie, like amazing character actor, Daniel Baldwin. I think Daniel Baldwin was actually the weakest actor on the show, but still really good. Right, right, um, right. Uh, 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 John Polito as Cressetti. Um, uh, Wendy Hughes as Dr. Blythe. And then later they, they brought in Michelle Forbes. She is so fabulous as Juliana Cox, <laughs> the medical examiner. She's right. just so good. Um, and also they brought in Peter Garrity as, uh, as uh, one, one of the, uh, the police. Uh, and he went on to be the judge in The Wire. So there's oh. a number of actors from there. And I guess because it was filmed in Baltimore might be part of it, who also mm -hmm. got gigs in The Wire later on right. so i've been really enjoying uh watching this and um looking at it uh i guess in the fullness of time a little bit further away from it right. uh, it really still stands up for me um i i love the uh the fact that some of the characters are really dark one of them commits suicide they all have their problems um yeah. And and they don't all like each other either, which is yeah. really quite wonderful. Yeah, I love them. I feel like I, I you know, the two times for me, three times, well, maybe someday in the future if Stag wants to dig it out. He, was, he, that's one TV show he really loved too. Ah, yeah. I was, we just watched the other night the episode in which um, uh, Kay Howard quit smoking. <laughs> and, and the episode starts off, they're at some murder scene and there's a body lying there. Yeah. And the witness is smoking a cigarette and she's smoking <laughs> a cigarette. Like she loves smoking that cigarette so much. Yeah. And then you see in behind one cop is lighting another cop's cigarette. And then the camera goes a little to the right and somebody else is smoking a cigarette. And everywhere you look, people are smoking cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. uh, Felton has got a cigarette going. And, um, and then you realize at the same time as Felton realizes that, that uh, his partner Kay has quit smoking. And he says, you quit smoking without consulting me. <laughs> <laughs> it's the episode is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, dealing with our, our compulsions and our weaknesses. Definitely. Uh, fantastic yeah. show. I, I really enjoy watching it again. I'm going to watch the whole thing all the way through again. Fun. I'll probably talk about it more. Along fantastic. The way. I love it. Oh, very so, good. Uh, I've been watching In Treatment. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm up to, I think, episode nine. What happens in episode nine? I don't remember, but episode eight was, oh, episode nine might be with her sponsor again. Okay. 
Yeah, so I think that's where I left off was her talking to her sponsor. After yeah. two episodes with the teenage girl or the young college student. Okay. Who seems to be a, an avid liar. Seems to be. Yeah. <laughs> seems to be, but, uh, uh, but we're going to see that maybe, maybe not so much. Okay. Uh, I, I, I didn't like that character at first, but I quite okay. like that character now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty interesting. And all the interactions are, are really Oh, it's so good. Compelling. It's, it's so compelling because it's like worshiping the face. You're just watching the face of each person. I love yes. it. It's like old 70s movies or something, or 60s movies. I love Colin. His storyline is really interesting. The blue collar, white collar criminal. Yes. Yeah, yes. Very he's, he's very easy to dislike. Definitely. <laughs> he's definitely. But, but he's also, he's a charmer, right? He is a charmer. And also, you, you know, right away you can start to sense that maybe he had been uh, sexually assaulted when he was a kid. So yes. I'm assuming that's coming up from some of the dreams he's had and stuff. Yeah. It's really good. She's wonderful. Everyone yes, is so good. Yes, the, the, the cast is super strong. Yeah. And um, now there's been a phone call where you see Paul, Gabrielle Byrne shows up. So maybe he was her mentor or her counselor, who knows? I think he's her therapist. Yeah. But yeah. he's Are always they... very busy because now he's become like a pop therapist. No, he's like a, he's like Dr. Drew. Yeah. So do you think we're going to see him? I don't know. Like I hope so. You don't I see, so I can tell you, you don't see him yet because we're right up to date. Okay. So there's 24 episodes this season. Okay. And I don't know how many we've seen. Maybe we've seen the whole season. I'm not even sure. Okay. okay. We've seen a lot. We All just, right. we kind of went right down that rabbit hole and stayed yeah. there until it yeah. was done. Yeah. Hey, you know, we haven't really talked about those kids, the 250 children found buried in, in uh, Kamloops. And for any of our listeners, I just thought if, if you want to understand maybe how could this have happened or what could have happened, I want to recommend a book that just gives a little bit of insight and maybe also a little bit of hope. It's called The Other Side of Eden. It's, it's not a new book. It's about 20 years old at least. It's a Canadian anthropologist, Hugh Brody. And um, it's called The Other Side of Eden, Hunters, Farmers, and the Shaping of the World. It's going to pull out and, and, and it goes through the school systems and the um, stealing children from their parents and putting them in these schools that were like concentration camps. And then it also talks about other things. I want to tell you the name of the chapters. Inuktitut, Creation, Time, Words, God's Mind. It's an incredibly inspiring book, which I've thought about a million times since I heard that new story last month. And um, I don't know if he's still alive, but he's an incredible writer, and I really recommend that book. Okay, maybe that's the book I'll take to Credico. I think that would be a beautiful book. I can bring it to you if you want. Okay, do that, please. Oh, it's hardcover. You don't want to take that, do you? Uh, yeah, I probably have enough. Uh, I can handle a little bit of hardcover. All right, right. all right, great. I'll, bring yeah. it. I'll put it in the pile. I've got a pile I'm bringing to Canada. And now I'm not going this weekend. Originally, I thought I was going to go this weekend, correct? Oh, I have to sneeze now. What's wrong with me? I'm sneezing, coughing, hacking. Oh, my God. Okay, go sneeze. It's um, okay. I think I'm okay. All right. And um, so I've got a pile. I haven't got any, um, some bits and bobs. So I just filled it up by the front door. I just put stuff. Plus, when I'm leaving, I can't leave until July 6th because Canada's changing the way they're opening up the border. And I've got, they've got an app where you put your vaccination thing on there. You put your recent, okay. I have to get a COVID test right before I go. Yeah. And so you put that onto your app and then you can cross the border. Now at the discretion of the border customs person, they may or may not 
let you go through without quarantine. So they might say you have to quarantine for two weeks. That's at yeah. their discretion. I'm not yeah. sure if that's saying you know. I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, when they look at people who have had both their vaccinations and don't have the disease, I, it seems to me that quarantine misses the point. It does miss the point. It absolutely would miss the point. So hopefully I have a negative test. <laughs> Yeah, I know that they set I'm up. Still the, wearing my mask. They set up the hotels for people flying into the country, sure. quarantine hotels, and it looks like those were largely punitive to me. Oh, really? Yeah, it looks to me like they're saying, "Well, you if come? you if you go travel and yeah. you come, you fly back into the country, you're going to have to go to this hotel, and it's going to cost you two thousand dollars, and you're going to have to spend three days there, and then you're going to have to go quarantine. So we're going to make it as difficult as possible. And I totally get that, right. because you can't stop people from traveling, but discouraging people from traveling seems to make a lot of sense. Oh, yeah, Although there's sometimes you got to travel. Yeah, sometimes you got to travel. Right. I, I, I'm glad you said that because I read about the three-day hotel right now because that would make sense. And I couldn't, I, uh, so I mentioned it and, and uh, my family said, what three-day hotel? I said, well, I think it has to do with the 72 hours of your test, your COVID test. They want That's you to correct. stay that extra three days to get past the five days. That's right. Uh, so you, yes. so you, do your, you do your test before you go. Yes. And then you do another test when you cross. And the idea is that you wait the three days to get your right. um, second result. To get your second result. And I think people were complaining that, well, I got my result the next day, but they still charge me a large amount of money. Right. And, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And it occurred to me that, that um, the thing was set up to be punitive. And I'm not, I'm not sure that it was in some cases it was probably bad, but in some cases it might've discouraged people from traveling and may have sure. stopped the disease from sure. spreading. And sure. so I can't say I'm really against that. Sure. Either. And also you, I think you had the option to stay with someone too for three days. No, or you had to go to uh, the three you, days. You I think if you flew in, you had to go to the hotel. Oh, gotcha. I gotcha. I if gotcha. you drove well, across, you just had to quarantine. And that is still in effect until the fifth. The, midnight, fifth, right. the fifth. So that's why I'm not going actually because of that. Yes, if you could avoid quarantining, I mean, that would be really <laughs> well, good, especially if, since you've had both your shots and, and you'll have had two tests. Yeah. Like, what more do they well, want? Right. What more do you want? And that's the reason why we're doing all of this. Um, so we can go forward. And um, God, I'll feel like an idiot if I get COVID right now. Um, so I better stay vigilant and be careful. And then, well, yes, yeah, which you should do anyway. Which you should do anyway. And then, um, yeah. I mean, if I have to quarantine for two weeks, I'll, I'll just drive back to Chicago, quite frankly. Because well, yeah. I've only got a couple of weeks, so... Uh, exactly, and then I try guess. again later. Yeah, try but again hopefully later. hopefully, when you, when you come on the 5th or whatever it is, yeah. um, you'll be able to get across and there won't be any, yeah. uh, any exactly. issue. And, exactly. Um, and so when I'm getting ready to go like this, Eugene, I start... I mean, I'm trying to get projects wrapped up. It just feels better to have a odds and ends done before I get clean the whole house... So I, um, and then of course I got asked to work a few different hours. So I'm exhausted, burnt out. And I, I finished this painting that's a wedding gift. Um, we were invited to a wedding and they gave us an invitation of a retro national park in the States. This couple loves national parks. They travel to them all the time. So my painting is a painting of their invitation. So I just huh. finished that last night. Thank God. I have one more little painting that I'm sending to Florida as a thank you gift for our friends down in Florida and check. Then I've done my 
my um, procrastinated, my procra I'm doing a painting of um, Jackson Square in New Orleans. And I've been working, I started this painting a long time ago and just put it away in a box somewhere. So I'm just dealing with it. Um, we're we're on a bit of a mosaic spree right now. Yeah. Um, we're we're working on we're just finishing one that's going off to somebody uh, tomorrow, and it's two bees on a flower, and Ooh. it's about four feet so wide. Cute. So they're large bees. How cute is that? Um, yeah, and we have an, a couple other possible uh, commissions coming up in the next week or two. So um, so we're we're hoping that uh, we can get those going. And oh, and we have a repair. Um, somebody, unfortunately, something happened and, and one of our mosaics dropped and a piece of it broke off. Right. Uh, so um, I've been able to uh, repair it, put it back, basically put it back together again and add reinforcement. So it's, it's as sturdy as it ever was. And we just have to um, add some a new set of tiles to a few spots where that came off when, when it broke and do the grouting on it and uh, we'll have that one uh, out in the next few days as well. Wow, nice. And if anyone out there, by the way, wants to see the mosaics that uh, Sheila and I do together, you can go to longbranchmosaics.com. Oh, good idea. That's a great idea. Might as well add a little plug there. I love it. Yeah, longbranchmosaicsoneword.com and you can see dozens and dozens of the mosaics that we do together. And it's funny, they're, they're uh, collaborative works. And she was probably the only person that I, in, in a visual arts sense I can collaborate with. Mostly when I do visual arts, I have to be very much secluded. Uh, when, I, when I paint, I, I yes. don't let people in my studio, right. normally speaking. Um, but mosaics are a different kind of thing for us. And also, we, Sheila and I have collaborated in the past before. Cool. Listen, I just want to look up provincial parks. Monday to Thursday, for day use, the park will be free. So that's ah, day where use. I got okay. That's where I got it. Okay. Yeah, that's what I could find just now. I just want to do a little fix-it before I forgot. I think that's great, though. I think that's awesome. Encouraging people to get out since they've got vaccines now and the weather's better. It's a nice uh, gesture. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I love it. So the mosaics are coming along. Um, people should look at them. These mosaics are so beautiful. Um, I, I, I should be keeping my broken dishes, shouldn't I? Bring them with me. After well, you know, a lot of people bring us broken dishes, but I'm going to say this. We have a big inventory of broken uh, crockery uh -huh. uh, and the only stuff I would say we're really interested in now is the character stuff like the What's really unusual stuff that might have a bird or a floret or some oh. weird stripes or you know things that are are different so not just like always, beige well, yes we're always looking for pieces that have character to uh to drop in to jazz up uh, the mosaics a okay. lot of times because there's many tesserae in a mosaic yes um, a little piece that's really different or unusual will you won't notice it as the unusual piece when you first look at it right. but it'll add a uh, character it'll bring it to life 
Oh yeah, you know, definitely. much like in in uh, like digressions in a novel, right? Yes. Um, they they add to uh, the character of the novel and they they feed True. the whole. And so it's the True. same kind of thing um, with the character pieces for the mosaic. So we're always on the lookout for those. But I tell you, I don't need anyone else's white dishes, <laughs> um, and I don't need if if you've if you've. Uh, uh, if you just say torn apart your bathroom to redo it and you've got uh, all kinds of your old bathroom tiles stuck to plywood, um, there right. are bins for that. Yes, yes. And I don't need those. Thank you very You're much. looking for kind of a new, someone's beautiful plates that broke. Now, I did break, break a really pretty bowl. Yeah, or teapot. And I threw it away and I should have kept it for you. I'm sorry. It did have character. I wasn't thinking. So, you know, we, we started the podcast today with a little bit of comfort food diner because you, you said you were making the crisp and we got into the whole uh, crisp and then gyros yeah. and panzerato discussion. Right. Uh, but um, how do you make, uh, did, can you tell us like how you make start to finish a, a, a crisp? Oh, well, or, it's super easy. Uh, I just did, um, basically I doubled it, but I started with um, one cup flour, one cup oatmeal, uh, oats. Uh, half a cup white sugar, quarter cup brown sugar, a teaspoon of salt. And then I doubled it because I like it. I like it really heavy on the crumble. I like a, more of a crumble than fruit. And actually, I don't even like fruit. I only like berries. I'll eat fruit, but I just love berries. That's my favorite mm -hmm. thing. So anyway, and I mean, I must have had um, two inches of berries in there, three inches of berries. There were so many blueberries. It was crazy. Wow. That was it. It was just so hey, I think Saskatoon berries will probably ripen while you're in town. Oh, well, I'll make a crumble of that. Excellent. Yeah. Now, I guess the thing I want to say about crisp was maybe it's cooking time. I just don't like it all crunchy. Maybe it's more oatmeal. This should taste like a soft cookie, for, in my opinion. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, yes, I think there are a whole. There are different styles, right? Um, yeah. Some people will deliberately put uh, a topping on the top that will get crunchy, so that they have the crunch and the soft, and, yeah. and they have the mix of sense. those textures. This, this had that on there. It did. It, it, it got a little browned. I'll post a photo of it. I took yeah. some photos. Uh, okay, so great. So I will and, put that on Instagram. And I mean, you well know that I sometimes have a problem <laughs> with the mixing of textures. Yes. But in this case, I don't mind the mixing of, of textures in a in a crumble. I'm okay with a little bit of crunch on the crumble. Well, like the, I said, it, the it's same absolutely way horrible. Is the, the little mac and cheese that adds a right? little crunch to it? I like that texture mixed in with the soft mac and cheese oh. uh, texture. I'm okay with that. Hey, I'm, I'm jumping topics here. I'm so sorry. I just want to remember that I saw Moses Slider Gang the other day. And um, he's like, when am I going to do that? I'm going to try and get him to do some music for the trailer of my doc and for the soundtrack. At least, awesome. a, at least a hit song. And then, um, so we had a quick visit. Stag had some artwork for his album that's coming out. And um, I'm pretty excited about that. Now, I told him I'm going to Detroit on Saturday. Now, I thought I was going to Canada this weekend. So on my way to Canada, I was going to stop near Detroit. It's actually Fenton. And, and meet someone I've known from blogging. You know Malcolm Bonden. You know him. Yes. And we're going to meet on Saturday. I'm so excited, Eugene. That's great. Isn't that crazy? So I'm going to interview him and then drive back here because I'm not going to Canada yet. So... The thing is, we already set it up. I don't want to change it, so I'm just going to drive up and drive back. I know it's kind of not great time management, but whatever. I just bit the bullet. It's like the things gonna... you do for art. The things you do for art. That's right. So I'm going up to do that, and um, looking forward to that. If I if I have to, I'll stay overnight. Maybe I won't have to. We'll see. 
Um, it's a bit of a drive, so I'll probably stay up there. And um, yeah, that's I'm really excited about that. And then I hope to put a trailer together before I, at least part of it, before I, um, a new trailer, before I um, come to Canada. So again, wow. here I am putting too much plate. shit into my plate. Yes, I always do this, too much. Extra, extra, extra. Um, so I, I have something else for the comfort food diner. Oh, go, oh good. Go Excellent. I'm sorry I jumped topics there. Sorry. Well, that's okay. Um, you know, this is barbecue season or grilling mm -hmm. season for mm -hmm. a lot of people. And mm -hmm. we certainly enjoy grilling food outside uh, in the nice weather. And um, I'm going to make a suggestion to kick up your summer barbecue a little bit. Um, and that is, let's talk about Nook Mum. What is that? Nook Mum is the ubiquitous Vietnamese dipping sauce. Ooh. Um, you might also hear it called uh, Nook Cham. Um, and the difference is Nook Cham refers to all dipping sauces. Like you have some Nook Cham with, with your grilled beef. It could be any kind of dipping sauce. It could be soy sauce. It could be uh, Nook Mam. But Nook Mam is the specific uh, dipping sauce. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. And um, at the heart of it is Vietnamese fish sauce. Have we talked about uh, Vietnamese fish sauce on, uh, on, um, on the podcast yet? Well, we have talked about fish sauce a few times, but I don't know where you're going with this. I know that there's an N or an H or something. We've talked about that. Um, yeah. Um, the... Uh, there's a lot of fish sauces out there. And before I tell people, hey, this is really Red great. Uh, well, Red Boat is the best. Um, <laughs> it's absolutely the best. Well, so we've uh, talked about that. Yeah. Uh, be before I, I go on and, and recommend people that they make this, I yeah. just want to say, um, think of fish sauces like olive oil. All yes. olive oils are olive yes. oil. But yes. the difference between a really awesome olive oil and a really gnarly olive oil is a huge, huge difference. And right. so um, in the fish sauce market, I think you get what you pay for. Um, I bought a bottle of Red Boat the other day and I think it cost me 14 bucks. Yep. And there are fish sauces, Vietnamese fish sauces that you could get for like two ninety five at the same store, um, but they're gnarly. So you look at the ingredients. If you look at the ingredients on, on the Red Boat, it's anchovy, sea salt. That's it. Mm. There's no MSG and there's no sugar and there's no chemicals and there's really nothing else. Mm -hmm. And the best ones all come from the same place. Um, they they co come from Phu Quoc Island off Vietnam. And uh, when I was in Hanoi, uh, I was told the Vietnamese like their fish sauces made from either anchovies uh, or... Um, mackerel. Mm -hmm. uh, Red Boat is anchovies and it's mm -hmm. also first press, just like olive oil is, is first press. So you start with, you got to get your good, your good uh, fish sauce. So you start off when you make the stuff, you make like, um, like a lime drink. You squeeze some lime, yeah. at, say a cup of water, uh, squeeze in a lime or two, depending on how juicy your limes are. Right. And then you add sugar to sweeten it up. How much sugar? 
Well, if you were in Vietnam, it would depend on which part of the country you were in. So okay. I'm going to say you can add sugar to your taste. You can add just a little bit. You can say one tablespoon of sugar, or you can add three tablespoons of sugar. Just like your limeade, um, you would want, some people would like it more tart, some people like it sweeter. And then you add your fish sauce to it, and you can add anywhere from about three tablespoons to a quarter cup. Um, so a cup of water, up to a quarter cup of the fish sauce, mm -hmm. lime, sugar. Then you want to chop in something for texture. And I've seen uh, chopped up matchstick carrots used. Uh -huh. I've seen kohlrabi uh -huh. used. I've seen kohlrabi cut into little flowers and, and yes, dropped into yes. the, the fish sauce, which so is very cute. nice touch. Um, also, you can use uh, green papaya. Mm. Uh, you Why see, green? Uh, because it has uh, the crunchiness and a little bit of bitterness. Okay. Uh, so you often see mangoes and papayas eaten green and bananas eaten green as savory uh, right. over in Vietnam. Um, so then you want to chop up some garlic. How much garlic do you want to chop up? Well, that depends on you. Uh, I like quite a bit. <laughs> chop up uh, quite a bit of, of Three garlic. Three cloves, maybe? Three? Yeah, depending on how big the cloves are. Okay. And, um, and you could either chop them or pulverize them. And then you can add red or green chilies and you can chop them into rings or you could dice them really, really fine, however you like it. And you can do that to taste as well. So you've got your stuff for texture. You've got your liquid ingredients. You've got your sugar. Um, and you can also add some, some people add a little bit of uh, a chili paste or a chili garlic paste to it's it. Pretty accessible actually. It's very easy. Once you have your red oh. boat, yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, it's really easy to, That's uh, the hard part. to mix it up. And you can, it, it'll last for about a day okay. with, you know, the chilies and the garlic mm. sitting in the, in the sauce and everything. Um, and uh, it's really excellent as a dipping sauce. But if you're going to have your barbecue with noodles, you can put your barbecue on your noodles and then just, just pour this stuff right over it. Yummy, yum, yum, yum. It's very, very nice. Um, also, uh, some people, in, instead of using all lime, they'll add a little bit of rice vinegar along with lime. Uh, so it, it can vary a fair bit, depending on how much sugar, how much fish sauce, how much garlic. Uh, do you add chili paste? How much chili? All of those things will change the nature of it. And yet, no matter how you make it, what the proportions are, it's still going to give you that characteristic uh, uh, nook man flavor. Sounds great. You know, it'll just it'll just vary depending on right how how you do it. Uh, super for for any kind of grilled food. Yum. Uh, highly recommend it. And so I thought I'd add that as a uh, thank you. That, thank you. That sounds diet. so easy. It is I mean, very very you know, easy. Yeah, yeah, pretty easy really. And most of the stuff we have around the house. Yes. Yeah. yeah you just need the, the fish the sauce, veggie, which is yeah. which is the secret ingredient. Right. The fish sauce and the veggie is really what you need. Yeah, and if you don't have anything to add the texture on a particular day, well, the the uh, the Nook Mum police aren't going to find you. No, you could do green onion, maybe. Sure, you could. Yeah, of course you could, and yeah. and no one is going to say you shouldn't do it. <laughs> uh, you can, you can uh, really make it make it your own. Uh, it sounds in, delicious. In I might try that. Ways. It is, it is your, super delicious. Do you make Go your ahead. own ramen ever? 
yes. Oh, you do? Yeah, I have made my own ramen. How do you yeah. do it? Just roll it out on the table and slice it? Or do you have a cutter? Oh, I'll, I'll buy fresh noodles. I don't make my own noodles. Okay, yeah. I just wondered if you made your noodles. Okay. No, I don't make my noodles. All right. All right. I mean, you, you can make your noodles. But um, instead, I go to my local Asian market and I'll buy fresh noodles. Um, they're, yeah. as, they're as good as any I could make. And okay. if I were maybe more of a noodle snob than I am, um, I would say uh, right. better. Sure, sure, uh, sure. I think uh, in, in Vietnam, there's a lot of places don't make their own noodles, but they get delivery of fresh noodles right, like right. two or three or four times a day. Yeah. The noodle guy comes along and yeah. drops off another big vat of noodles. and That makes sense. It's its whole own business. Yeah, it's own its own enterprise and activity. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. <clears throat> yeah, just like with uh, Bang Mi, uh, most people don't make their own baguettes. They, there are there are Bang Mi bakeries that, that serve well, us all the I could see you doing that. I could see you doing that, though. Oh yeah, of course you you can do it, and well, why not if you want to, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can I change gears again? Yeah, of course. I was gonna say I just kind of for whatever reason somehow I was talking about movies in the twenty first century, and I googled it. I came up with the BFI top one hundred films of the twenty first century, and I thought maybe it would be a good place for you and I to find some more movies. Uh, okay. And our listeners. I mean, it doesn't mean we have to agree with the list. Okay. You know, I never agree with lists. I know you don't. Guess what number one is? Uh, uh, Citizen Kane? No, that's the, 20, that's the 20th century. Oh, okay. Oh, it's 21st century. Yeah. Oh, oh, geez. I wouldn't have any idea. Mulholland Drive. Oh. You don't like Mulholland Drive? It's all right. Oh, wow. I it's all it right. Amazing. I think when that came out, I was lynched out. At that point, okay. I just well, had enough of that whole yeah. sensibility, and and so yeah, it was a good movie. But I, I mean, it's not the best movie of the twenty first century. Come on. Well, I guess I was trying to think. Maybe they thought it was maybe the the the, the critics in in Britain or who made that list. Um, maybe they thought because it was Lynch's kind of Vertigo. If you go by the theory that Vertigo is a death dream, that at the beginning of Vertigo, when he's hanging from the cliff and he's a cop. He actually falls and isn't getting saved. And the rest of the movie is what happens right before he dies in his mind. Right? There's that idea that that's what, it's a death dream. And in that way, Mulholland Drive has a death dream too. So maybe that's why it's You know, I, I, have, I have to say, Sheila and I, with some excitement, decided to watch Vertigo again after many years. All right? We back. did talk about that. Yeah. And, and boy, did we ever think it was lame. Yeah, too bad. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and it isn't that we thought the ideas that he used were lame, yeah. not not at all. But um, we didn't think he pulled it off. But maybe it's the difference of time, and I think so. I uh, think so. How we look at things today may be different than even how I looked at it in the early '80s when I first saw that film. Sure, sure. I've changed my feelings. I've had very different experiences when I watch it again. I probably watch it about every two years. I still love it. Um, I'm always surprised how long it is. And um, I'm still moved by the fact that uh, it's a tough life for females. <laughs> but I still love it. And I still think it's a profound movie, even when I didn't even hear the theory of a death dream, you know. Ah. But it is definitely old-fashioned. I mean, it's definitely stilted in the way that he follows her and all of that stuff. I was probably the biggest Hitchcock fan ever for a number of years. And 
some of his films when I see them again really hold up for me, but some of them just don't. Yeah, yeah. Some of them they just they really just just seem like uh, quaint and old fashioned, yep. and and more stylized than I want. Yeah, that's that sounds fair. That's fair. Uh, I mean, I think it's hard for stylized films to hold up. So what's number two on the list? Oh, is it Spirited Away? Let me see if I can find it real quick. I'm going to go back in my phone. Sorry. Okay, number two is In the Mood for Love, a Hong Kong film by Wong Kar Wai. Interesting. Th- I, I, that, you, I, I, that? you know, when I see something like that and it's like, oh, a Hong Kong film. I don't know Hong Kong films. I'd love to see it. That's what I'm, I'm saying. Why don't we look at this yeah. list and pull off? Yeah, see things. if there's if it could bring us into We've some other some new world. Yeah, there's tons we're going to have seen, and we don't have to agree with the list. Um, exactly. There will be blood. We've seen that. That's number three. Spirit. I love there will be blood. Yeah, me and too. Almost me too. everyone I know who saw it, except for Sheila and I, didn't like it. What? But I thought it was brilliant. Oh my god! I think it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Um, Spirit and it's, it's 21st century too, right? Yeah, this is all since 2000. Right, okay. uh, Spirited Away is a beautiful movie, Japanese anime. Boyhood, of course. Uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Have you ever seen that? Uh, no, the title has put me off. Oh, it's really cool, though. Um, the Tree of Life, I don't know if you will like it. It's Terrence Malick. But I loved it. Stang and I saw it in Vancouver together when it came out in the theater. It was amazing, 2011. Um, but I'm a Terrence Malick fan. You have to be a fan, I think, because it's slow, ah. contemplative, uh, I see. cinematic, uh, nature, oh, voiceover. I think I, I've I, just about turned everybody off right now while I describe <laughs> it. Um, I, I what meant else to is, ask, is, uh, is, uh, is Nomadland streaming? I, I got it on Amazon for three bucks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, a Separation. I have not seen that. It's an Iran film, so I really want to see that one. Oh, I've never seen an Iranian mm. film. That'd be great. Oh, I've got a couple of good ones for you. Um, one with a little girl. Oh, you'll love it. I, I have to go look up the title. I can't think of it right now. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll share that with you. I'll put it on Facebook. Well, um, when you're here, we can we can look at these li- this list and yeah, other lists, yeah. and we can develop a list of films that we would like to see that we're going to aim to find I agree. either I agree. I or, agree. or you know at a, a used dvd or right. whatever guess what number 10 is no country for uh-huh. Men. <laughs> but i would put are no you satisfied country... with being number 10 no i would put it at i would put i would trade it out with um i would put it tied with uh there will be blood personally yeah. Those two came out of the same year, and No Country won the Oscar. I know uh, our friends Asterisk and Red were pissed that it wasn't uh, There Will Be Blood. Inside Louisian Davis, I know you're not a fan. Zodiac no. by David Fincher. I love Zodiac. I thought yeah, it was a too. great movie, even though it was, it was very, very long. Yeah. Uh, I, I really liked it a yeah. lot. Yeah. Then Children of Men by Alfonso Sworn. That's an incredible movie. The Act of Killing. Have you ever seen that? Mm-mm. By Joshua Oppenheimer. Mm-mm. Oh, I, I can't recommend it for you. It's very difficult. Um, what happens is it's a documentary film where they interview people who did a genocide and they make them act it out. I can't explain it. Zach, one of our friends and listeners to the podcast recommended it. He was absolutely dead right. It's one of the most important films. I think he recommended it to me because of 2666, the novel by Bolano, which is, I would call it the corporatization of evil. So the act of killing has a little bit of that in it too. Maybe the, polis, the uh, politics of evil. I might call it that. Um, 
four months, three weeks, and two days by Christian Mungu, Romania. So there's a lot of things in here I know you and I haven't seen. All right. And lots we have seen, like Mad Max Fury, Fury Road is number 19. Well, we will, uh, we, we will watch some of those. Yeah. And you know what we're going to do? We're going we're gonna to do the popular trendy thing of the day. We're going to react to them. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could even set up a YouTube channel. No, no. no. We'll discuss. All right, we'll discuss. I don't want to say no. That's not very improv of me. <sighs> All right. Well, anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. Oh, so um, if you want to get in touch with us, because if you have a bone to pick with us. Please do. Don't be shy. We can take it. We could take it. We got thick skins. Yeah. Uh, send it to, um, what's our email address? The agency.podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to get emails even when they call out your co-host. And go ahead and do it. We've both been to art school, so we're used to um, criticism yes, we and, are. and critiques. And, yes, we and- are. And plus, I know, I don't know about you, but I'm often wrong. You know, when, when we, when we um, engage in these podcasts, we're exploring uh, ideas. And sometimes we explore ideas that we're figuring out as we go along. I'm wrong all the time. Sometimes I think, oh, I said that. Oh, my God, I can't even believe I said that. And one of the, the wonderful but scary things about doing the podcast is you open yourself up. That's to, true. To do that. Now, I'm wrong all the time. That's why I try not to say something any of my broad general statements, unless I've already done the work. <laughs> I used to have a friend, Matthew, who he would uh, do card tricks. He goes, Kenny, don't bet on this card trick. I'm not going to do it unless I win. And he would suck me in every time. He goes, no, I'm taking your money because I already know I'm going to win. I wouldn't do it if I wasn't going to win. And that I'm, like that. I'm like that with my broad statements. <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, I used to like, I was like eight years old. I really liked like pro wrestling. Yeah. Oh, that's really great. And yeah. and my dad used to know a pro wrestler. He used to play poker with a guy named Nanjo Singh. That's right. And and Nanjo Singh claimed that he lived underneath the ring in Maple Leaf Gardens. Yeah. Had a little apartment in there. Yes. Uh, and he was like the baddest of the bad my guys. My hand is up. My hand is up. <laughs> <laughs> but my father, oh, I asked my father, um, is wrestling real, dad? And he said, of course it's real, son. The guy who's supposed to win always wins. There you go. And when we reach our repeated, repeated stories too many times, that means it's the end of our podcast today. Thank you very much for tuning Thank in. You. Thank you very much for your support. We appreciate you coming back. And uh, we'll be back at you next week. Okay. Bye, Eugene. See you soon. Bye. See you on down the road. <laughs> <laughs>